This is Sharon Steitler, the bird chick, and I am here with non-birding Bill. Hello. And we haven't been podcasting for a while because I went to Spain and got sick. Is that why you went to Spain? No, no. Uh, I went to Spain and I came home with the flu. So insert Spanish flu joke here. <sighs> sure. But no, I was there. Uh, I was there with a press group and then... Uh, there was also like a bird tour leaders group, and so when those two groups got together, it's like the bird tour leader group that was there. It's like two of them were very sick, and so all of us were trying to do things sure. not to. You know, considering you were brought over by the Spanish government to talk about how great Spain is, maybe you shouldn't emphasize the fact that you got sick while you were over there. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying it was the Spanish government's fault. I'm saying it was the person who was sick and sure. didn't stay in their room's fault. <laughs> so what did you do in Spain? Do you know? Um. I ate a lot of Iberian ham, <laughs> which, so I was in Extremadura, which is the central part of Spain, which was really cool because, uh, it's, it's this, it, what's crazy about Spain is that, you know, you, there's no real concept of suburb. The sure. cities don't spread out quite like they do here. I mean, there is like, there is the city and it's built up and then boom, it, it's done. Even mm-hmm. Madrid is like that. And I just think it was because it was invaded so much that you were either in the city and you lived, or if you tried to make it on your own out in the middle of nowhere, that's where the attacks would come in. But no, we we stood on top of castles, and we watched old world vultures, like black vultures and griffin vultures. It was, that was, that was really cool. That was a good time. And then one of the specialties in, uh, in Extremadura is this type of pig that is released into the woods for three months, and it eats nothing but acorns. Okay. And then after that, that's when they slaughter the pig, and then they cure the meat for three years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then you thinly slice it, and, and you eat this acorn ham, also known as Iberian ham. Mm-hmm. And they also really like acorns because they also served us this kind of acorn liqueur, <laughs> which was wow. wonderful, and I brought some back. So, um, But no, Spain was... Up until I got sick, it was a really, it was a really great time. And mercifully, I only got sick towards like the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. So really, the worst part of it was for me was that I had to be on a plane with the flu on the oh, way home. Yeah, I imagine and that was terrible. I felt so bad because I'm pretty sure the people next to me thought I was a junkie, maybe having some <laughs> uh, withdrawal sure. issues because for whatever reason, I got restless legs on this flight, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I just could not get comfortable and I was constantly shifting and I had to get up and down a few times to try and like blow my nose several times in the bathroom. But I was like, I'm sure I look terrible. And they were like, oh God, this is a junkie. She's freaking out. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sure 24 to 48 hours later, they got my flu and, uh, we're like, Oh no, she wasn't a junkie. She was just sick. Curse her. She got on a plane, an international plane with a bunch of other people in a small confined space. With recycled air. Yeah. Well, and then I came home and then, uh, the flu went away and it morphed into bronchitis mm-hmm. and my voice was terrible. So that's, that's why. But anyway, Spain is fantastic. I highly recommend going <laughs> Let's there. Let's take away from this story. <laughs> Spain is great. Honestly, the last time I got sick while traveling, I have come home with viruses. Let's not forget the Rio Grande flu oh, sure. of a few years ago. But, um, I very rarely actually get sick while on the road. And I mean, I always travel with some decongestants mm-hmm. just in case. But I mean, the last time I was sick like this was Guatemala. And that was my first international trip like mm. over 10 years ago. Yeah. So, um, 
And I mean, if you're gonna get sick, Spain's the place to be. We stayed at uh, this lovely bed and breakfast and they were super nice and they had tea for me all the time and they made nice nourishing mm -hmm. soups. Cool. So, so yeah. But uh, what else happened in Spain? I feel like we saw vultures. Mm -hmm. We saw the uh, Spanish Imperial Eagle. I got to see the endemic that's there. The cool. main thing that I missed was a day of seeing some Roman ruins and uh, some kind of weed ear. But it's, I'm in Europe a lot. I'll get sure. that weed ear again. All right. All right. What do we have to talk about here? Well, we have to talk about Spain. You keep trying to change the subject. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to show um, One thing that we should talk about is that uh, there is a new book of essays out. The original book was called Good Birders Don't Wear White, and they've updated it. And the original book was just a bunch of well-known birders talking about their passions with bird watching. And they've updated it, and it's now called Good Birders Still Don't Wear White, and the essays, some are updated, and there are some brand new essays in there. And I have one in there, and it's all about my excitement with technology and bird watching. And if you want to see a really interesting caricature of me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, yeah, I almost turned it into a coloring contest, but I opted not to do it. But uh, no, it's got little essays in there by David Lindo, known as the Urban Birder. I'm very excited because Jim Brumfeld from the Cleveland area uh, has an essay in here. So it's just exciting to me to be mixed in with a lot of different voices. Mm -hmm. But uh, And some of these are friends. But also just that people uh, are getting are getting published. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just the same people getting into books all the time. Sure. Jem Brumfeld, uh, I'm really excited to see her published. Also, Corey Finger, he's starting to get published now. Oh, he has one of the ABA guides out. Oh, uh, and he has an essay in here talking about New York City's birding at its best. These are all really short reads. So this is a good thing that like, you could take to the beach. It's a good bathroom book. Okay. You know, something to read in the tub or whatever it is you do in the bathroom. But anyway, yeah, check it out. And as I understand it, the proceeds from the book go to uh, programs at the American Birding Association, Excellent. which you should check out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, things that are going on. It's late spring. Mm -hmm. Or it's, no, no not it's late the spring. the first day of no, spring. Yeah, well, we're recording this on the first day of spring. But no, it is late winter, early spring. Mm -hmm. Migration can't come soon enough because mm -hmm. really, especially in my neck of the woods where spring comes really late up in the northern United States, birders are arguing. Oh, good. Well, they're always arguing. Yeah, but you know, owls. It's always owls. Oh, it's sure. Just, what the owls do now? Um, well, the issue of baiting owls has come into play. And there is a photographer in northern Minnesota who has now started a hashtag. I think we talked about this last we time. We talked about this last time. Yeah. Well, now it's like made it to public radio. Oh, it good. is. It is the. It is Eventually the argument. Even public radio found out. <laughs> but they talked to not only the photographer. They've also talked to people who are baiting the birds. And like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think it's that big a deal. And I think mm -hmm. people are making a mountain out of a molehill. And so I don't. Do they talk to the owls? The owls just said who. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I made a bird joke. You did. <laughs> I guess that technically qualifies as a bird joke, yes. But, uh, yeah, and so bird, owls are on the move here. There was, there was a sawwood owl in downtown Minneapolis, and there was a woman who took a ladder out and put it within four feet of the owl so she mm. could get, like, an up-close shot with her Lovely. iPhone. It's like, come on, people, be sensible. Yeah. Well, you've got some, you've got some owls in your... Uh... Uh, 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 uh. 
to the woods. Yes. I do have a couple of owls that I've been keeping track of. One that I showed you, and uh-huh. I said, don't tell anybody where it is. And here you are about to reveal. Is. You were about to say where it was, which if you follow me on eBird, you could figure out where it is. Uh-huh. I have not put these two particular birds in eBird. I'm waiting for them to move on, and then I'll put them sure. in eBird. Yeah, there but... are. Like I, The last time I sort of tried to check out the area it was in, it wasn't there. But I'm notoriously bad at spotting owls. Uh, I saw it the day before yesterday. Mm, excellent. And then uh, I went to, I just kind of went by to check on it, and it wasn't there. And so when it's not in the exact spot, uh, I'll go and collect the pellets. And there was a super, super fresh pellet there that was oh. wet. And I was like, I didn't see anything fly off. It wasn't me. But there was also super fresh deer poop. And uh-huh. the thing about the owl, that one of the owls that we've seen, is that it's roosting really low. Mm. I mean, it's it's yeah. like six feet off the ground. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I'm not posting it. And so I'm wondering if what happened was, was like this deer <laughs> just kind of going through there and browsing, yeah. and a deer flushed it. Or scraping its antlers. Uh, I shouldn't be... Are they scraping this time of year? I thought you said you saw... I saw... Oh, I definitely saw a rub, but... Yeah. Uh, I think their antlers are falling off. Now. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, that rub. I don't. I just. I, I was telling Bill that yeah. I saw a a super skinny oak tree that yeah. had uh, a significant deer rub on it. I was like, I don't know if that oak tree is going to make it. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> it's like, come so. on, deer. Can't you rub on something else? So anyway, we've linked to that article. Um, other things that are going on is that it is mating season and birds are acting weird. And. <laughs> okay. Two two significant instances that have happened, and this is all with Gizmodo. Gizmodo is really getting into this. One is uh, a flock of turkeys circling around a dead cat in the middle of a row. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that video. That's for, It looks like they're performing some sort of horrific ritual. Yes, it does. And they're not. Basically, what's happening is turkeys have flock mentality. Uh-huh. If one turkey starts to, you know, circle, the other turkeys are going to start following it. Mm -hmm. So what I'm guessing happened is that, and I think it says this in the Gizmodo article, is that, you know, the turkeys were coming along. They see something that's dead in the street. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of checking it out and giving it a wide berth. And so they're just following each other. Yeah, the end caught up at the beginning. Yeah. There are other videos of turkeys circling things. Mm. Uh, Sometimes people post them to my personal page. And it's, uh, you know, like you'll see three or four turkeys just circling a tree. And what's happened is they were probably foraging and one started walking, maybe felt wary about the turkey behind it. And then another turkey started following. And so then, voila, you have turkeys it's a really tiny brain governing a big body. Yeah, you gotta fly. You gotta, you know, stay alive in the in the wilderness. All right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they can't. I mean, they're flying. They're not great flyers. Yeah. After you know, like you said, Gizmodo is, is getting into this, and obviously, you know, people have access to video that they can upload anywhere and stuff. But it's just like I want, you know, it's also nature pushing back into suburban and sort of you know outer. Like I mean, we. Uh, yeah, our area is fairly green, like where mm-hmm. we live. You know, there's some office parks and things around that. But we also have, like, we're not far away from the city. We have the train tracks and everything, and there are deer, coyotes, and stuff like that everywhere around here. It's interesting how wildlife is learning to adapt with us. And, I mean, we, yeah. we're having this with bald eagles. I mean, we have the bald eagles that nest right over bike trails, right mm-hmm. in downtown Minneapolis, sure. uh, right off the 35W Bridge. And, you know, there's still a law out there. It's like you have to stay 300 feet away from a bald eagle nest. And it's yeah. like, here's this bald eagle's like, screw you. I'm going to put a nest right here. I, and, and they have successfully reared chicks from there. As a matter of yeah. fact, I was on the 35W Bridge yesterday, and I drove past it, and I could see a head in there. So well, she's no, yeah, I mean, chicks. other than, you know, <clears throat> killing off coyotes as 
a nuisance, you know, they're not going to be harmed here. No, no. Hit by a car, I suppose, would be the biggest thing that could happen. And it's really interesting because the cities are pretty much saying we're not going to go out and kill coyotes. I mean, the yeah. signs around where we live, it, it, there are signs warning you that there are coyotes there. Mm-hmm. And it just says they're your responsibility. Don't leave food around. Keep your pet on a leash. Yeah. You know. But it's I. It, but it could become a nuisance. Like as they figure out that like there's no predators. I mean, obviously the coyote is a predator, but like yeah. the deer and the turkeys and things like well, that. Well, yeah, but... we've talked about turkeys are becoming a nuisance for mm-hmm. some people. I mean, people who have feeding stations. The first time a turkey shows up, it's like, oh, that's cool. I've got a turkey. And then after a while. When you realize how wily they are and yeah. how they can figure out a lot of different bird feeders oh, yeah. and drain your bird feeder faster than a flock of grackles, yeah. uh, I think it's a matter of time before we have a turkey I wonder if they're call. allowing the coyotes as a control for, as a, little, as a predator for uh, Oh, I'm turkeys. sure that's yeah. part of it. But I mean, also, you could not keep up with killing every coyote that somebody ever saw. Mm. And I mean, as long as they're not... A, the, the coyotes are mainly a danger to small pets. Mm-hmm. They're not really a danger to your kid. Uh, they're, but, you know, your outdoor cat, your small off-leash dog, mm-hmm. that, that a coyote's going to see that as prey. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what's mainly at risk here. Yeah. But, yeah, with turkeys, um, I do wonder if we'll have a turkey cull, kind of like we have a Canada goose cull here in Minnesota, as, as, as they start to get going. Probably. But... So, but Gizmodo talked about another bird that's been recently making the rounds. Oh yes, yeah, I saw, I sent you this, but I think you'd seen it already. Yeah, the bush, the the bush curlew, bush stone curlew. Ugh, can't speak bush stone curlew. Mm-hmm. I'm not even drinking. I'm just having coffee, and that's I can't the even say is that you're not drinking. bush stone curlew. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's not even attacking the window. It's just staring at itself. So what's happening is, and I believe this is Australia, right? Yeah. These birds are going up to, well, skyscrapers, buildings that have glass on them and mm-hmm. just staring at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone put up a sign that explaining, like, I'm fine. I, I'm a bush, bush stone curlew. This is just what I do. And then they put, like, the naturalist's, like, contact information on there if you want to talk to them. But the bird is just, it's not like a mating thing like you'll see sometimes with birds in mirrors or, like, we, like, um, there's a story a while ago about a uh, male cardinal that was fighting its reflection in a... Side view I think mirror. this is a little bit of mating. Is it? Okay. I think a, a little bit of it, is, or a territory okay. kind of thing, and maybe they're just not as aggressive as a cardinal. <laughs> it's just a stare down. It's going to stare you down. Yeah. Okay. What is it? What wasn't there a Dr. Seuss story about like two guys that like? Oh, the it, the north and south bound sneeches. I think it was. Were they sneeches? I think so. But okay. anyway, but like there's they they one only goes from south to north, and they had, happen to meet each other and. Each refuses to step aside, even yeah. just a tiny little bit. Yeah, And yeah. they stay there forever. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's kind of like that. Okay. <laughs> there was another photo, I think, a guy replied to uh, this picture where to dis- like that the one to get it to go away they just put up all these uh placards these yeah uh, it's like a no poster board. stone curlew no area stone curlew. so there was no reflective surface oh, yeah, for there the bird to for the bird to stare into yeah which is pretty much what you have to do when you have a cardinal <laughs> attacking your window is yeah. is cover it up for a little bit yeah but uh uh yeah birds yeah. are stupid that's exactly what the Vikings uh, <laughs> seem to think, and you know it's not our fault that we yeah. made this gigantic stadium it's not, it's not and out of glass. Exactly the thing that you said would happen is happening. Diddly, diddly, diddly. Yeah. All right. <sighs> I hate professional sports. I really do. I used to kind of enjoy basketball. Yeah. 
Oh, Canada. <laughs> so, crazy thing happened in Canada. All right. So, crazy thing happened in Canada. You okay. know, they've been uh, trying to establish a national bird. Oh, I so didn't some know of the province, yeah, bird. some of the provinces have one. Okay. And so they had some birds that they chose, and they had a vote, uh -huh. and uh, like the popular vote included common loon. Okay. Which I think a different province has. Another one was uh -huh. Snowy Owl, different right. province has. And they're like, well, we don't want to, you know, uh -huh. cause problems by making one province's bird the national bird. Sure. But everybody was like, no, Common Loon, uh, Snowy Owl, we, that, that, that's uh -huh. it. And, and so the committee looked at the popular vote and was like, that's interesting. We're going to go with Gray Jay. That's a dumb choice. <laughs> and now you have, like, the committee saying... Yeah, we get like why you want these other birds, but this is the reason why you want this bird. And so now everyone's kind of pissed off because uh, the popular voted bird uh -huh. didn't win. And so, it was, you know, another entity entirely decided who is going to be the bird. Yeah, I can't relate to this at all. I no, can't imagine yeah, uh, how this would be an unpopular decision. It's just kind of a dumb choice. I mean, I get like Canada, especially the provinces, especially, you know, things like the situation in Quebec. I mean, there's a lot of regional problems and things like that so i can see how that would cause strife if you know you picked the loon well loons aren't you know in our province so why should we care about that it's well like i mean it's not even that they're not in the province i mean the the i think one of the ornithologists is like well you know the loon is only here half the year well yeah guess what birds fly around but well and it's like we live in minnesota yeah. you know the loon is our state bird Canada, if you want to borrow it for your national bird, go right ahead. If you want but, to borrow it, make sure you give it back to us. <laughs> you can have it in the winter. No. <laughs> but, I mean, it migrates out of here. Yeah. We, we've we learned to survive. But, I mean, if you're thinking of something you want to put on your currency, sure. you want to and put it is something... On their well, the loon is on their currency. It's the it's on their... Um, is it? Yeah, it's on, a, it's on their dime, I think. Okay. They call them loonies. But, so I'm sorry oh. if I get that wrong, but it is, on, it is already on their currency. Okay, but it's like... I can see, I can, I mean, the gray jay, it's a fine bird. We have right. them in northern Minnesota. But you're thinking about your national bird. Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's like. You want something a little more impressive. Yeah, yeah. And you I want mean, a raptor. And Yeah, you want an owl. An owl looks cool. Yeah. You know, and I think that would be kind of a nice uh, sure. contrast to our national bird, the bald eagle. But bald eagles look cool. They do look cool. They're jerks, but they look cool. Well, it's an animal. But yeah, I don't know. Like the great, why did they say the gray jay was a good choice? Is it because it's all over? Canada? Well, it, it's like an early nester. Uh -huh. You know, it'll brood its chicks uh -huh. no matter what. It, it's it's in the corvid family, so uh -huh. it's super smart. Uh, it has this whole thing of like saving food in the wintertime with its own saliva stuck against a tree. <laughs> Much like all Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it does all this interesting stuff. It is an interesting bird. If they get, you know, they should just like make uh, poutine their national bird. <laughs> Does poutine fly? <laughs> it, it does if you throw it. <laughs> well, we'll see how this whole uh, what defines a species thing pans out. Maybe poutine is actually a bird. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what else we got? I think that's it. Oh, well, no. You've got news. You Speaking of international trips, you just... Uh, you have some big news from uh, Swarovski. Oh, rep for. yeah, yeah. That. Well, because that trip was before Spain yeah. and before I came down with Spanish flu and yeah. lost my voice and was out of touch for two and a half weeks. All right, so what was the big news that you could not reveal until recently? Okay, so yeah, so I went to Austria recently mm -hmm. where Swarovski debuted uh, its new product, which is called the BTX, mm -hmm. and it's a... The Bill Thompson 10. The Bill Thompson <laughs> 
No, it is. Uh, so they, so there's current spotting scope, which if you've ever met me, I have. It's a modular spotting scope, mm -hmm. so you can take it apart and put different objective lenses sure. on it. So you, the eyepiece is a single lens, so one eye mm -hmm. to look through. Right. They've now created the BTX, which is kind of like a binocular view, so you use both of your eyes, and uh -huh. you can attach the different objective lenses. So okay. since I already so have all the objective lenses, uh, I can just get this BTX. And what's the advantage of using... Your eyes are, you were designed, uh, mm -hmm. let's, unless this is assuming you don't have something that has caused you to have monovision, but you are, your, your face is designed to look through both eyes, okay. and your brain is designed to interpret images through both eyes. Okay. So when I heard about this, and maybe saw an early prototype, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a gimmick, I don't see how this is. It is astounding how different it is to look through this. It is a comfortable view, number one. Mm -hmm. uh, but also the birds almost look 3D through the scope because yeah. you're looking, you're using both sure. your eyes and both, and your brain can interpret both images. The absolute crazy thing is, is it has an adjustable forehead rest. So this okay. scope doesn't come as a as um, a straight scope. It is it is angled, and that is designed right. to for comfort. So you can kind of like adjust this little forehead piece so your forehead rests on it mm -hmm. while you're like scanning around. I don't know if it's something I would necessarily use for warbler watching or take with me down to Honduras or Guatemala, mm -hmm. but for all the bird surveys I used to do or where I had to like sit and watch a bald eagle territory for four okay. hours at a time, it is fantastic. Or for sea watching or hawk watching. So the only thing that's like there's not a new lens on the end it's the it's the eyepiece it's the different. eyepiece okay and you can digiscope with it i did some digiscoping with it uh with the time that i had it digiscoping does not show you what it looks like because mm. you're there you're just sure. using a single lens but you can digiscope with it looking through it is crazy and the the absolute craziest thing for me was i took along my my atx mm -hmm. they told us we're like oh come on this trip don't worry about bringing scopes and mm -hmm. i'm like you always say that <laughs> and i always find like when someone says don't bring a scope do you want a scope? I always, I, there's always going to be a moment where I'm like, damn it, I wish I had my scope right now. And so I'm like, I'm, mm -hmm. screw it, I'll bring it. And um, so I brought it so we were able to do side-by-side -side comparisons uh -huh. with it. And so after looking with both eyes, you know, and then it was time for someone else to use the scope and I would just go back to my own scope, it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, my brain got used to using both <laughs> eyes. It, it was like going from a high-end scope to a low-end scope. Really? And that's wow. ridiculous when you consider that I have one of the top it's scopes the same, out there. It's the yeah. same as lens. It's, it's the same, same thing. Lens. It's just I'm looking through one eyepiece instead of two. So Crazy. it's probably in North America. I think you're going to start seeing it uh, probably in spring. I'm yeah. willing to bet money it will probably be at Biggest Week in Birding. Take a look at it. And, and you've been, fortunately, you've started uh, wearing your tech harness. You've been... Uh, Batmaning it up for your as you go out into the oh. woods. So this is gonna be yeah. So uh, I did a review recently of something called Cotton Carrier, and it is a tactical harness so that you can carry both your binoculars and your camera. DSLR. Yeah, DSLR. Oh. Um, and I can also just slip my phone if I have sure. the phone scope thing on it. But when I first got it, and I put this in the room, I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. I I don't want to review yeah. this. And after I did the review. It, you feel kind of badass. <laughs> and then in the review, you'll see I'm wearing my Batman mask. Yeah. But I like it so much, I've, I, I'm i legit using it. 
I, and like I've taken it to some of my digiscoping mm-hmm. and tech nature programs just as a joke. But then like afterwards, like, oh, this is really Well, it's got to be a lot more comfortable to wear because, I mean, it, like it straps it to your body. So you, you have the stuff there, but it's not swinging. Yeah. First of all, you're, you're not wearing something. Well, you wore harnesses before with your yeah. binoculars. Yeah. But you don't have it hanging around your neck. It's being held by your entire torso. And it's being held close to your body so it doesn't sway when you're walking. And I want to say, women who have told me that you don't like binocular harnesses because of the boob issue. Uh-huh. You might like this better because it's like going over the boobs, and it's, it's like a shirt. It's like it's like a tank top, essentially. Kind of, yeah. And it's and you can adjust it, so it's also kind of like holding them in place. Because like I know, bra. yeah, I know some women don't like that. You know, your boobs can sometimes sure they feel accentuated. Yeah. In a harness, also, I think a lot of women who don't like the harness, like they've brought up chafing as an issue. Mm, yeah. And I'm like. Maybe you need to adjust the harness so the binoculars are going underneath them rather than yeah. on top of them. But <clears throat> but it does look kind of cool. It does look very it does look very tactical. Well, I'm really excited because we have an employee who's leaving the National Park Service. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sad they're leaving, but they had uh, a utility belt, and mm-hmm. I've used it sometimes for costumes at Convergence. And so they they left it in my office, and <laughs> they took all the pouches. But it's like I need to get little pouches and like little sure. hangers. So I'm going to go out, and which cracks me up because when I do my presentations mm-hmm. on smartphone digiscoping. I'm always like, well, the great thing about it is you don't have to take all your equipment out with you. And you, know, you just go out with well, your phone and your binos. For you, it's you don't have to wear a photographer vest to take all your stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the, and yeah, I kind of. And then we can get you a tactical kilt and you can start carrying things on there. I would love a tactical. I love skirts. I love yeah. skirt birding. But um, yeah, check out the cotton carrier harness. It is surprisingly comfortable. I noticed that I had pretty much given up. SLR digiscoping mm-hmm. because I just didn't like the camera swinging anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know there is a harness out there. It's like a double harness where you have your camera on mm-hmm. one side and binoculars on the other. Didn't like that because it felt too swingy. Mm-hmm. And also, I felt like it accentuated each boob differently because, sure. like, it just, it just, I, well, that's not a good visual for a yeah. podcast. But the straps just kind of went over each one. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I don't. I don't like this because I feel like they're being more accentuated. And also, I have things lower than my boobs that are swinging right. all over the place. I don't want to feel like an 80-year-old with no bra. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I like the cotton carrier harness. It is pretty darn cool. And I have actually gone out and I'm taking my SLR out again, which I haven't done for quite some time. Cool. So, anyway, BTX, cotton carrier. Wow, that was both of those were things I was not prepared to talk about that I now have to add links to the podcast. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. This is what happens when we do a podcast with coffee and soda. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is Bird Chick Podcast number 220. If you have any questions for Sharon, you can contact her on Twitter. She is at Bird Chick. You can email her, Sharon at birdchick.com. You can also find her Bird Chick Facebook page. Can I add something in? Yeah, it's your uh, I'm now doing some writing for the PhoneScope website. Oh, yes. And I have kind of free reign to write about stuff. So if you have a specific question, either about digiscoping or about birding in general, that you would like me to answer, email Sharon at birdchick.com or birdchick at gmail.com. All right. It's going to be a busy week, but we will be back soon. Take care. Bye-bye.